In other words, it wasn't the malevolent media leading the audience. It was the audience leading the malevolent media. Hello and welcome to the interview. I'm Diana Falzone, your co-host and a senior reporter at Mediaite. And I'm Ada McLaughlin, the editor-in-chief of Mediaite. So as many of our listeners know, Diana is joining me as a co-host of the interview. Uh, We're very excited to have her on board. Today, we've got a really great joint interview with Geraldo Rivera, the veteran journalist and foreign correspondent who just quit Fox News after 21 years at the network. Diana, this isn't your first time interviewing Geraldo, correct? That's right. I interviewed him back in 2016 when I worked at Fox News uh, when he was doing Celebrity Apprentice and his boss was Donald Trump before he became one of the presidents of the United States. So it's uh, all coming very full circle for me. (laughs) He's also he's such a fascinating figure because he used to be very pro-Trump until 2020. Uh, he's been such a fixture at Fox for so many years, and but he also had these pretty nasty clashes both on the air and off with his fellow co-hosts on The Five and others at the network. Uh, so it's, it was really interesting to talk to him about his time at Fox and his departure from the network. And we got into all of that in a wide-ranging interview about his time at Fox News, why he left, and where his long-running relationship with Trump stands now as the former president mounts his re-election bid. Here it is. Hi, Geraldo. Thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you enjoying retirement? (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I woke up this morning and it was the first day that I didn't have any TV responsibilities that I had you guys. So our apologies. uh, So so I was just sitting in the uh, in the backyard here in in Ohio, uh, just feeling smug uh, about the big election we had here yesterday on uh, amending the Constitution. I was very pleased that Eric and my wife and I voted and we're glad to give a big thumbs down to, uh, uh, to the proposition to change the state constitution to make it more difficult uh, for uh, abortion rights, uh, an abortion rights amendment to be put into the state constitution. So I really, I was, I was just kind of thinking about that and a couple of other things on my mind, but uh, I'll tell you about Retirement when it really kicks in. I actually thought that I'd be off all of August, but I haven't, it hasn't worked out that way. Wow. So you worked at Fox News for 22 years and what amounted to a truly iconic career in news. For our listeners who aren't as clued in on the story, why did you decide to leave now? Why did I leave Fox News? <sighs> you know, that's a great question, Diane. I, I should have left a long time ago, uh, but... Uh, for various reasons, not the least of which was my own uh, you know, insecurity about where I would end up. I stuck around and I, I stayed too long at the, at the dance. Um, I started Fox News. It's, it's important, I think, to remember. Uh, I was at CNBC and NBC News. I did Dateline specials every month or so. I was, uh, you know, had the number one rated show on CNBC, Rivera Live. And after the 9-11 attacks, I insisted uh, that NBC assign me to cover the war. And they said, no, they would not. You know, I had a a fat contract, multi-million dollar contract uh, over six years. You know, it was a wonderful sweetheart gig. And I was working uh, with my my now wife, then my fiance. Uh, But 9-11 happened and the towers came down and 
six of the dads in my kids' preschool uh, perished wow. uh, so to go to war, and NBC said no. And you know, I knew Roger Ailes. He actually had hired me uh, for CNBC back in 1994, and he said in his new role as as creator and president of Fox News, he said, I'll give you the job of war correspondent, but you have to take a pay cut. You have to come back, you have to come for half pay. So basically I went less than half of what I was going to get at NBC and I went to war. And, uh, you know, when I say I stayed too long at the dance, uh, when Osama bin Laden was killed, I was blessed to be actually on the air uh, from Washington, D.C. for a variety of uh, reasons. I was in D.C. that Sunday night live on the air when I, I was able to break the news to the country uh, and the world that uh, Osama bin Laden had been slain by our, uh, by our special forces. So uh, I stayed beyond that for those reasons of insecurity that I described. And then, uh, you know, different things happened to accelerate my career, rejuvenated. I got the job on The Five. It was very uh, exhilarating, big, powerful show highest rated show in cable news, highest rated show sometimes in all of cable. So it's very seductive to have that kind of success. Uh, but it just, uh, over time, I, I had a very toxic relationship as I've described it uh, with one or more of the cast members. And I got to be, the, the friction was visible, uh, very tense on the set and so forth. And then at a certain point, two Fox executives New, new to the job uh, in the post-Roger Ailes era, uh, they, uh, they called me and said that I was uh, basically fired from the five. So they said, uh, but there's a million other things you can do here at Fox, continue doing your Fox Nation uh, reports. I had done several. I had done the Cops series for a couple of seasons on uh, Fox Nation. I appeared regularly on uh, Fox and Friends every Friday for 23 years, except for uh, uh, vacations. Uh, so there's plenty for me to do. But I said, you know, losing the big job, I, uh, I'm not going to stick around. I, I, I quit. I want to leave the network. And they, uh, uh, I was surprised at how uh, uh, eager they were to comply with my wishes. They didn't exactly uh, chase me out the door. Uh, but then they were very, very generous in my, uh, in my leaving. They gave me a, a party on Fox and Friends that lasted uh, 20 minutes on the air. Uh, it was just really a love fest. And, uh, so I'm not mad at anybody. I'm certainly not mad at, uh, at Fox News. They've got you know, plenty of problems on their own. They don't need me to submit anything. Now, you, you say that you, you felt like you stayed too long. Is that because you would have wanted to stick doing reporting as opposed to moving to uh, a talk show like uh, The Five. And I'm also curious as to those conflicts that you described on air, did, were you concerned about how Fox News handled them? Yeah, I mean, well, let me answer your first question first. It wasn't, you know, by 2011 when Bin Laden was killed, and then 2012 was my last uh, wartime uh, assignment. I went to uh, Afghanistan where guys that I had uh, met when they were lieutenant colonels were now two, three, four-star generals. So I, I had tremendous access to the, uh, to the, uh, uh, to combat, uh, to the troops and so forth uh, 
in Afghanistan and Iraq. I had 11 major assignments in each. But then by 2012, I was, I had, had uh, back surgery, was kind of lame. I hid it from the audience for years. Uh, but I, I walked with a big limp uh, and a cane. Uh, so I was not particularly eager to go uh, into the field, although m major national disasters and big stories, uh, uh, Hurricane Maria, for instance, in Puerto Rico, I spent uh, a lot of time there reporting really around the clock, and uh, that was in uh, 2017. Uh, but then pretty much I was in the, I was in the studio and, you know, it was, it, it was, a, the pandemic happened and the pandemic kind of uh, shut down everything. And I live here in Cleveland and it was kind of uh, uh, ironically as, as bitter as uh, the experience was for the nation, for me particularly to get to stay here in Cleveland as a TV studio in my basement, I didn't have to travel. It was kind of a, a very cushy existence. Uh, you know, walk the big yard with the dogs and then go and be on TV it was uh, it was really easy. Uh, then uh, when the pandemic ended uh, and uh, started going back to the studio, I had the, the worst commute in America. You know, so what had been a cushy situation where I could just hang around suddenly became, uh, you know, I had to get a car to the Cleveland airport, a very underserved airport, constant, uh, you know, uh, flight cancellations and delays and all the rest of that and the big walk. So I'd be limping through the airport. I became a very familiar figure at uh, Hopkins Airport here in Cleveland. And then LaGuardia, you know, that's another mile walk there. Uh, uh, and then I, I, I lived in the Peninsula Hotel, 55th and 5th. I can't complain that my assisted living was... Uh, arduous. It was very cushy, uh, you know, much more so even than my house. But, you know, my whole life became that, that, that kind of, uh, uh, you know, constantly on the move away from my wife uh, and soul, my uh, teenager still at home, the other four already have gone off. And so that helped add, exacerbate the tensions. I mean, I, I was cranky. I was mm. perennially cranky. And that, you know, when it all came down, uh, it, Second part of your question, was I satisfied with how Fox handled uh, the tensions? No, I mean, uh, you know, the other cast members were perceived to be far more significant, I think, uh, to the overall thrust of the program than I was. And so I became uh, a kind of uh, collateral damage uh, to a vision that has been, uh, you know, if you look at how well that program has done since I've left, uh, you know, if anything, it's picked up. Uh, so I can't say that they've made the wrong decision. Well, I don't, I don't want to make you cranky at all by asking this question. I mean this with all due respect, but I have heard rumblings from Fox News insiders that the tension was between you and Fox's Greg Gutfeld, who at one point actually berated you on Twitter for objecting to Tucker Carlson's coverage of January 6th. What happened there? Well, you know, I don't want to focus in on any uh, any particular person. You can read read the record, uh, but I can tell you what happened vis-a-vis -vis me and Tucker, uh, because that was the real substantive part of it. Uh, I was shocked and outraged. I mean, I was nauseous over uh, Tucker Carlson's uh, premise that January 6th was an inside job. 
So uh, Tucker Carlson began floating the idea, and I didn't know why. I assumed it was just evidence-based uh, in his own mind. I floating the idea that uh, January 6th was, uh, was fake, uh, that it was government agents that staged it, the agents provocateur who uh, aggravated everything, that there was no, uh, uh, you know, uh, that President Trump did not incite a legitimate riot, that uh, what happened is he made his uh, remarks and then, uh, uh, you know, deep state operators uh, basically took advantage of it uh, to make Trump look bad, which was preposterous. It was ridiculous. It was, uh, you know, I, I actually said it was bullshit, is what I said, uh, to uh, the Washington Post or the New York Times, I forget, one or the other, because I did several interviews between those two papers at the time. Um, I got calls from within Fox, right on, uh, you know, we're, we're shocked, we're outraged by uh, uh, what Tucker is, uh, is, is trying to do. Uh, thank you for speaking out, uh, you know, people that could not speak out. I, I, you know, I even advised some uh, prominent people just to, to cool it that I could, uh, I, I'll take the heat because felt that I was more uh, bulletproof. They mixed my metaphors there, but uh, I, I felt that I could say things that others, perhaps more vulnerable in their, or more early in their careers, could not say. And so I was suspended for that. I was suspended whenever, uh, you know, I, uh, Gutfeld and I had a head-to-head, -head, uh, there were two incidents, one on abortion rights, I called them uh, insulting punk and another one, I forget what it was. Uh, they always took his side. So, uh, you know, it was like, I was, I could sense that I was hanging by a thread anyway. But the way, the way it came down, they, they made a very pragmatic uh, decision, a business decision. And uh, it looks uh, in retrospect that they made the right decision. From my point of view, uh, at the age of, uh, I was 79, now I'm 80. Uh, you know, I'm 15 years past retirement age. I certainly... Uh, have earned a few uh, a few months or years, whatever I, I, I have left of uh, relative relaxation. Uh, but I find that, uh, you know, once you've done something for 80, you know, well, I, my career has been uh, 52 years, you know, it's hard not to do it. It's hard not to wake up and look at the paper. And, uh, you know, for instance, this morning, I, uh, I stuck on, aside from what happened here in Ohio in the, uh, in the constitutional uh, vote, uh, I got stuck on uh, $200 billion worth of fraud in the pandemic relief. And I want to see why Republicans aren't keen on tracking down the $200 billion of fraud and uh, pandemic relief instead of going after the bag of cocaine in the White House. They want, you know, the entire <laughs> FBI to investigate the bag of cocaine in the White House, but they don't want anybody to investigate the $200 billion worth of, uh, of pandemic fraud where people uh, stole money out of the American people's pockets, something that, you know, taxpayers really care about. Speaking of Tucker Carlson, why do you think he was able to do things like the January 6th coverage, which I think Ratings. A lot of people, he, right. Yeah, but he was, he was very, very, very powerful. And uh, he, you can, in the discovery, in the Dominion lawsuit, you see how arrogant he was, how, uh, uh, contemptuous he was of, uh, uh, you know, uh, trying to do the right thing and losing the audience and how 
uh, or, or how naive certain producers or certain reporters were when they complained of uh, his bullshit. You know, it's uh, it, it was pathetic, really pathetic. He really he he got way too big for his britches. And I, the worst thing about Tucker, I, I like I say, I have no beefs against anybody. The worst thing about what he did was the uh, the the ruthless pragmaticism that he displayed. Uh, I'm going to do this because that's what the audience wants. In other words, it wasn't the malevolent media leading the audience. It was the audience leading the malevolent media. Uh, you know, it was uh, so we. He became very much attuned to being whatever. I don't want to use inflammatory language. That's why I pause. What, what he did was unforgivable, basically. He, he made a mockery of the tenets of journalism. Now, all of us have done sensational things from time to time. All people, highly visible people, uh, do things they look back on and they uh, regret, maybe I should have tuned the journalists down or whatever. But he, he seemed to me to willfully embrace uh, something he did not sincerely believe in because it resulted in higher ratings. It stopped the hemorrhaging of the ratings from Fox to Newsmax, et cetera. Do you have any idea why Tucker left the network? Oh, I think the, the, it, it was a, a case of, uh, if you read Rupert Murdoch's uh, you know, depositions, uh, he makes pretty clear how displeased he was with that course of events, that it turned to the dark side. Uh, and I think Tucker thought he was, you know, finally at some point thought that he was bigger than Fox management, that he was the, he was in charge. And I think that as people over Murdoch's career have discovered, uh, you know, you're not bigger than the boss. And uh, he finally said enough is enough. They did the right thing in my view, maybe a little late, uh, and it cost them dearly. Uh, $787 million is a lot of, I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, I, th I think it was a, a good lesson for everybody. Uh, I am vigilant now, watching how people are covering the Trump resurgent campaign uh, to make sure that they don't get back into that. If the audience wants it, we're going to do it kind of uh, mindset. And, and you mentioned the enormous multi-million dollar payout from the Dominion suit. What did you make of that? I mean, it is, like you said, a very big, I'm sorry. No, that's what I make of it. I, I think that uh, good lawyering in that case disclosed the, and I don't think we've seen all of it, uh, nearly all of it, the, uh, the really self-serving, uh, unprincipled, a turn that the coverage took there for a while. And it was embarrassing to see it in, in, in black and white that way. And I'm, I'm not sure that there haven't been other examples of it at other networks I haven't tracked them. That's not, that's more your, your line of work than mine. Like I say, I, I just want to make sure that it never happens again. So I'll speak out on it whenever I see it. I'm curious what the feelings internally about these lawsuits are. We've got the Smartmatic one. They're asking even more for even more money than Dominion. And so yeah. that could land Fox in even more financial peril. Are, are they seen internally as like major threats to the network? 
I I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. That's I, I, and I have uh, uh, only tangential interest in it. I if I were them, I would say you know let's get this behind us. But they're not alone. I mean, Newsmax is facing uh, oh, the yeah. same problems. They they've got a you know we're going to make a First Amendment argument. My insiders there say uh, mm. uh, that saying what they believe that kind of that's the Trump defense. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Fox is trying very hard to put this chapter behind them. And I, I, I think that, you know, uh, what I worry about more than anything is that in their, uh, their desperate quest to make up all the money they've lost, you know, facing stockholder lawsuits and so forth, uh, that they, they start firing low level people, you know, relative, who had no fault in, uh, in this catastrophe. Uh, that's my, that's my fear. I, and I've seen some of it, but not, I haven't seen the kind of sweep sweeping, uh, you know, uh, I, I thought it would be worse. The carnage would be worse, but we'll see how they, you know, if, few months take accounting for what the downsizing account amounted to and why. Uh, we look back and, and why do you think Fox chose at that time to embrace Trump's election claims? I mean, how is that messaging so abundant on the network when it sounds like many people inside of the network opposed furthering that rhetoric, especially on the straight news side? Yes, but there's also the maybe slim possibility in in your mind, uh, Diane, that uh, that Trump could be right. I mean, uh, I don't know that all of those Republicans, and you see the polls, Trump scoring so high. I don't know that all those people are insincere in their belief uh, that uh, that there was irregularity, or uh, that Trump sincerely believed there was irregularity. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, my personal view is that this was under extraordinary, extraordinarily difficult circumstances, a, a, a fair election, as fair in its own way as, uh, as many elections past. I remember when I was starting out, uh, they used to say that the dead people voted twice in Cook County in Illinois. You know, so, you know, some election something uh, you know, hap happens traditionally, uh, you know, it's in the margins and it's a tiny percentage. And I think Trump's probably right, but that he's wrong in terms of the, uh, the impact or the scope of it. It probably may have, there may have been tiny irregularity that people are seizing on now because they want to. But I think here's the story, the real story, and it's not a Fox News story. So maybe you're not as interested in it, but I implore you to remember that Trump commands tens of millions of people's loyalty. Hmm. They can't all be wrong. And, and remember, I supported Trump until he didn't support the election results. Until November 13th of 2020, Trump was my friend and I supported him and we spoke almost weekly. Uh, and I was proud to know him despite the fact that it cost me friends and uh, uh, and, and, and even within the family tension. Once I realized that he was, you know, that he was consumed by his own narcissism and that 
It was him over the Constitution. I think uh, Mike Pence is an American hero. He's absolutely right. Uh, Trump puts himself ahead of the Constitution, in my view. But there are a lot of people that, that love him and think that he's on the right track and he thinks that the Democrats are ginning this up because they want, uh, you know, they want to re retain uh, power in the Senate, win back the House, win back the White House. Like I said, we have to be sincere in our statements, clear in our thinking, uncowered by, uh, uh, by ideological counterattacks and so forth. Uh, and see this for what it is. But again, I, I hope, and the reason I, I made that whole preamble about uh, who, there's a big hunk of those people that sincerely believe what they believe, I hope that the, this situation is resolved with pragmatic kindness. In other words, I want Trump, I would like Trump to withdraw from the presidential race in return for Joe Biden to promise to pardon him and to pardon him the way Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon. I want Biden to pardon Trump. I doubt Trump will drop out. Maybe someone will emerge. My personal favorites are now Mike Pence and Chris Christie. Um, and I like Tim Scott. It's my third choice. But I, I just don't think it's good for the country to continue this this division mm -hmm. now so as you know you've you had a long established relationship uh with donald trump do you expect like what's the status of that relationship now do you expect that to it doesn't exist as, as, as i mentioned exist. the last time we spoke was friday the 13th of november 2020 when he mm -hmm. talked he called me here at the house where he called me almost once a week i, I always you know chatty and uh, sometimes I had a radio show here in Cleveland for three years he would very very gracious with his time he'd come on 45 minutes he'd keep them waiting on the tarmac to talk to me so it was, I was very honored you know White House visits and, and so forth very honored uh, by uh, my, my friendship although I never voted for Trump I voted for yeah. Hillary in 2016 he forgave me for that and I did a write-in in 2020 I didn't vote for him but I supported him editorially his, I, I think that, for instance, Russia or Russia, Russia was a terrible hoax that uh, distracted the 45th president from his job. Uh, it was bad for the nation and ended up with a big fat zero and showed all of the perils involved when you have special prosecutors. But when he, I go back to when he, on, on November 13th, Friday, in the call to this house, uh, I, I talked to him about too bad, Mr. President, uh, so sorry, uh, maybe next time, you'll get him next time. And he said, uh, and I said, what are you gonna do? And he said, as I reported that day on Harris Faulkner's uh, program on, on Fox, uh, he told me that he would do the right thing, that he was a practical person. I assumed he meant by that, that when the count was uh, undeniable, that he would, step down and then run again in 20, uh, uh, 2024, he'd be a, a cinch to win, I told him. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one caveat was at the end of that conversation, he said, do you know about Dominion voting? And I said, no, I had no idea about Dominion voting. I never had heard about Dominion voting. Uh, and he said, check it out. That was Friday. Check it out and talk to me on Monday. 
So I called the white, I checked it out over the weekend, found nothing there uh, that was at all believable, you know, Hugo Chavez and this nonsense and that nonsense. Uh, so I called the White House on Monday. He didn't pick up. I never spoke to him since. Wow. <laughs> Do you think Fox News will welcome back Trump on its network in the way it has in the past? I mean, they took a significant break from him after January 6th. Now it seems like the network has maybe come around as Trump has proven resilient with his audience. Do you think the network will embrace, embrace a second Trump term? Yes, of course they will. There's no doubt in my mind but that they would. But I also think that if Mike Pence was to surge or really an outlier, Chris Christie or one of the others, that they would embrace him too. And I think there was a period where they were really experimenting. Uh, I, I don't know that the Murdochs, and I, I don't want to speculate, but my sense is, and from what I read, uh, they wanted someone other than Trump, uh, at least uh, immediately following the, uh, the scandals. I'm not sure where they settled now, but you know, if, if one guy's getting 45%, everybody else is getting under 10%. You know, it's not, uh, unethical uh, to su to support the you know the the, the side that's winning, uh, not support but they give visibility to the side that's winning. Trump rates much more than anybody anybody else. It's not unethical to focus on the front runner. Uh, you know that the why why wouldn't you? I mean that's being a good news person, a good mm -hmm. reporter. You you sense where it's going and you. Uh, I, I, I'm talking about on the uh, on the on the news side. You got to give that person attention. And and when they cover Trump's rallies now, uh, and he's talking about the lawsuits and everything else going on, and you know, I, I think that it's uh, it's entirely appropriate for them to carry those uh, those rallies. I mean, if you get you know twenty thousand people in an airport stop someplace, I mean, that's that's a news event. I mean, if Chris Christie were to get 20,000 people at an airport stop someplace, that would be a news event. But that's, you know, there's no one else on the Republican side that has anywhere near that kind of, uh, you know, loyalty or, uh, you know, uh, voter uh, support. You joined Fox News all the way back in 2001. And right. I'm wondering if in, in your years at the network, how you think the network has changed. It's obviously become top-rated network and cable news often it has shows that are top-rated well I, 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 all a cable let me hasten to add that my first week in november 2001 was the first week that they became the number one network in tv news and they've maintained that and nice. only broadened the uh, you know what, what rachel maddow had a big surge at uh, during uh, russia russia and some of the other ones and but i fox has listen i live in ohio I'm in Cleveland, which is a blue enclave in the northern, northeastern part of the state. Everything behind me, everything south of me in Ohio is Trump country. J.D. Vance rode that to the Senate. Uh, Sherrod Brown, our Democratic, he's the Republican senator now. Uh, Sherrod Brown, our Democratic senator, is in the fight of his life because Ohio has become a very a red state. Uh, not, not in all issues, as the uh, the abortion rights uh, amendment uh, controversy demonstrated. But uh, you know, those people need a place to watch TV. That they, they people tend to watch in cable news. They watch networks that they tend to agree with. As I said before, the big scandal in the Dominion was that the audience was dictating, and Fox was slavishly trying to satisfy. Uh, that audience demand. 
I think that what's happening now is that Fox is playing it pretty, uh, pretty traditionally. Uh, they, they, they want to, there, there exists a conservative network for a reason. There never was one. Now there are other conservative networks for a reason. Because those people behind me in the southern part of Ohio, they were looking for a place where they could hear voices that, for instance, on the abortion issue. Liberals are pro-life, uh, pro-choice. Liberals are pro-choice. Liberals are for abortion rights, reproductive rights. Conservatives are pro-life. Uh, they are against abortion. That doesn't mean they're stupid and uh, liberals are smart. That doesn't mean that they're right and liberals are wrong. That means that they sincerely believe, many of them are, are Christian, evangelical Christian or, or Catholic, and they, for whatever reasons, uh, they, they believe the way they believe and they it was never a network for them until Roger Ailes invented Foxes in, in uh, when was it, uh, 1996. Um, so now they have a place or places with Newsmax and the, and the others uh, where they, they can go and hear voices that they sense are pro for life, pro choice. And, and here's, and I wrote about this years ago. The real difference between Fox and the, the other networks is not so much ideology, or it may be ideology, but it, it is also identity. Most of the other networks are, are run by Protestants and Jews, Protestants and people of the Jewish religion, as I am. Uh, Fox News is Irish Catholic, or at least it really was. Everybody was Irish Catholic until the latest, uh, you know, the post-Roger Ailes era. And so you, if you're like O'Reilly and Hannity and you're, you know, uh, you're, you're an altar boy, it's not surprising that you are pro-life. Uh, you know, if you're from a liberal uh, urban uh, elitist or just an urban family, uh, uh, you know, uh, pick, your, pick your family, you know, it's not surprising that you're pro-choice. Uh, it's 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 just the way it is. And Roger Ailes' brilliance in inventing Fox was make sure that those folks also had a place to go. Mm -hmm. And and to bring this full circle, uh, where you have spent so much of your career was at the Fox News Network. You floated the possibility of joining another outlet. Any hints? Is there a network that you would dream to work out? Uh, now, no. I there's a lot of I in the last month, I've done two appearances on CNN, and I had not been on CNN since I substituted for Larry King in 1985 after I got fired from ABC. I had one minor appearance with Wolf Blitzer, maybe at a Washington Correspondence Dinner 15 years ago. But anyway, I was I've had two appearances on CNN. I've had three on. Uh, on uh, News Nation. I've had. I went last night. I went for the first time on Newsmax with Greta Van Susteren, who was a dear friend of mine at Fox News, and her husband John and Erica and I all. Uh, my wife. Uh, we all, so we, I, I did Greta's show last night. Um, I, I, I did a couple others, uh, uh, but I, I would be honored to be offered a position of. Uh, of contributor someplace because I'm I'm not going to do these freebies forever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's Fair. nice. The view is terrific. I love doing the view. 
but uh, that that kind of show and that and Bill Maher aside, I, uh, I'm not going to. After Labor Day, if you see me, you know that I'm working with someone. <laughs> okay. That's good to All hear. Right. Roldo Rivera, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please subscribe to the interview on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and check out coverage of our conversation with Geraldo Rivera on Mediaite.com.